You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, let's get it. Locked On LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, ESPN Radio Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, CST, and right here for the Locked On LSU podcast. Baseball Tigers are back on the diamond. We'll preview LSU South Alabama coming up shortly, but... There's more discussion in the ongoing and evolving topic around LSU football, the Title IX investigation ongoing. Of course, last Friday, there was a Louisiana State Senate committee hearing where uh, Gloria Scott, a 74-year-old woman, made allegations about um, Darius Geis when she was a Superdome worker about lewd comments that uh, Geis allegedly made toward her. Ms. Scott told um, the committee that she spoke to Ed Ogeron about it, and Ed Ogeron tried to defuse the situation, implored her to accept Darius Geis' apology. Well, Ed Ogeron denied in the Hush Blackwell report ever speaking to Scott. Well, Ms. Scott, under oath, flat out said Ed Ogeron was lying. Tuesday, Ed Ogeron was a guest on Off the Bench with T-Bob and Hester, as he gives every Tuesday. And he did have a statement about Miss Scott's allegations. First of all, I was deeply upset when I watched the video of Miss Scott's testimony. It was the first time that I heard of all the horrible details of Encana with Darius. I'm sickened about what she went through. Heartbroken. No person, woman, mother, or grandmother should ever be addressed in such a disgusting manner. It is 100% unacceptable. I'm devastated that it happened to her. I want Miss Scott, her family, and others to know that. I completely cooperated with the Hush Blackwell investigation, and I will continue to cooperate with LSU's internal investigation. As I told them, I truthfully do not remember speaking with Miss Scott three years ago, but I do know Miss Scott deserves to be heard and admired for her coverage. I have been and I will continue to be committed to a culture of integrity and compliance. Out of respect for Ms. Scott, all survivors, and the integrity of the university investigation, I have to further questions of this nature to the university. I hope this helps. Okay, so a few things here. First, you can obviously tell that was a prepared statement that Ed Ogeron read. Um, and I, I feel like... Whatever reaction somebody wants to have to that, they will have. What I mean is, if you heard Ed Ogeron read that statement, the cynic might say, well, why couldn't you just speak from the heart? If you didn't speak with this woman three years ago, then you should be able to say that without needing a prepared statement. It's very obvious Ed Ogeron did not write that statement. But that's okay. Let's not forget, presidents have speechwriters. Like, that's a very normal, okay thing to have someone help you craft what you're trying to say. Because let's be honest, I'm not taking a shot, but that's not Ed Ogeron's strong suit. This is a guy who a week ago thought it was okay to tell the media, I didn't interview assistant coaches before I hired them. It's just not a strong suit of Ed's. And, and look, every, some, some are great orators. 
some coaches are. Some coaches aren't. That's okay. There's different strengths and weaknesses. I'm not saying that's one way or another. So when you're also talking about the severe nature of these accusations, it is far better to have been thoughtful about what you're trying to say than to just shoot from the hip and misspeak, as we've heard Ed do in public settings before. So, yes, I would have loved for it to have been something that came from the heart, but I also understand because you're talking about something legal in nature that you have to be thoughtful about what you say. So to those that are going to say, why do you have to read a prepared statement? Part of me does understand that. You could also just say, no comment, or I'll address it at a later date. Anything like that could also work. That's not the route he went. The one thing in that statement, though, that I think gives Ed plausible deniability is when he said, I truthfully do not remember speaking to Miss Scott three years ago. Understand, I did not speak to Miss Scott is different from I truthfully do not remember speaking to Miss Scott three years ago. It's a big difference. One is an outright denial that you ever spoke. The other is saying, I honestly don't remember. Is it plausible to think the head football coach at LSU could have forgotten a phone conversation he had three years ago? Yeah, that's certainly plausible. You could pull out Ed Ogeron's call log with the amount of calls he makes every single day to recruits, et cetera, et cetera. Is it plausible to think he forgot that? Maybe, yeah. Now, there's also people who would say one of Ed Ogeron's strongest suits in recruiting is that he never forgets anybody. He remembers every recruit, their family members. I mean, I've, I've heard these stories forever of guys who played for Ed at USC and, you know, they run into him 15 years later and he's asking about their dad and brother calling him by name. So there's the counter argument to that as well. But the way he phrased it or the way it was phrased in that written statement does give Ed Ogeron plausible deniability in this instance. Now, Sam Carlin is a investigative reporter for The Advocate in Baton Rouge, and he was at that hearing Friday, which lasted some seven hours. Had a chance to visit with Sam about the hearing, about what's next for Ed Ogeron, for Scott Woodward, for LSU as a whole. That's coming up. Let me remind you about Rock Auto and rockauto.com, rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, from carpet to carburetors, They've got it at rockauto.com. Even windshield wipers and motor oil. If you're a do-it-yourselfer, if you're a classic or daily driver, everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door, rockauto.com. When you get to checkout, make sure you're right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Again, rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so we let you hear Ed Ogeron's reaction to allegations made in that Senate committee hearing on Friday. Sam Carlin, investigative reporter for The Advocate, was at that hearing and he recount, uh, recounted for us what happened starting by how long it lasted. Uh, I believe the hearing went a little over seven hours or so, which is actually not even as long as the previous uh, hearing of this legislative panel, which has heard a ton of these stories from victims and asked probing questions about LSU, uh, but it was it was a marathon. Being in there for the entirety, can you describe what it was like going through that entire experience? Yeah, well, so they led off with Gloria Scott, as you mentioned, who's now 74 years old. She's a great-grandmother who told her a really hard-to-hear story about being 70 years old in 2017, working a, a game at the Superdome high school football game when uh, she alleged Darius Geis came up and sexually harassed her repeatedly. Um, you know, it was very emotional. I think, you know, a lot of the uh, um, members of the committee were, you know, they said it was, it was a tough thing to hear. Um, and and so that went on for maybe 45 minutes. And beyond that, it was, you know, these legislators who kind of emerged as the most, you know, aggressive voices and trying to suss out what happened at LSU and who knew what when. Uh, they spent several hours just probing LSU on a wide range of topics um, related to the Hirsch Blackwell report. Um, can you describe for, because I'm assuming like, I know, I don't know. And I'm assuming many of our audience doesn't know as well, how that, what the role of this committee is. Can you kind of just make that very simple for us, who, who these people are that were having the, the hearing? Sure. So these are state senators. Um, it's a select committee on women's and, uh, children's issues. Um, I think the primary uh, oversight responsibility they have as lawmakers is they're the ones who decide how much money LSU gets. They sort of hold the purse string, um, which is why they command a lot of influence. And if you're invited to come testify and you work at LSU, you do not miss that uh, committee hearing. Um, so, so more or less, they're the, uh, the folks who decide the uh, budget at uh, LSU and other higher education institutions. Were the were the the people who testified were they under oath? Yeah, everyone who testifies at a legislative committee is under oath, and they uh, swear under penalty of perjury that they're telling the truth. That's obvious. I'm sure you understand why that's significant because now you have somewhat of a he said she said with Gloria Scott and Ed Ogeron about whether or not they actually spoke, and she was adamant that they did, and she gave that sworn testimony under oath. Now. What you wrote that that I saw is that several of the legislators insisted that this isn't just a show and that they are going to hold people accountable. Sam, what what recourse do they actually have? So they don't have a ton of recourse. They can't force LSU to do anything. That actually, ultimately, the buck is going to stop with the governor because he's the one who picks who's on the LSU board and the LSU board is who oversees who gets hired and fired at LSU. And the governor has indicated he sort of agrees with the tax that LSU officials have taken so far in, you know, not firing but suspending some of these lower-level people who mishandled um, sexual misconduct allegations. But I think what this legislative committee has shown is that it can, you know, uncover a lot of stuff and, and put pressure on folks. And we'll see ultimately what happens and if anyone gets fired or any 
sweeping changes come to LSU because of it. But I think they've shown they, you know, just having oversight and the ability to bring this stuff forward in a public forum is, is pretty powerful. Sam Carlin is our guest, investigative reporter for The Advocate. He's on Twitter at Sam Carlin. I'd recommend you give him a follow. So what is the next step? So I, I think the important thing here was uh, the committee members said, we want Coach Ed Orgeron to come testify. As you know, during the committee hearing the other day, it was Gloria Scott telling her side of the story, and they didn't get time to get enough time to hear from Scott Woodward. But Scott Woodward's coming back here in a couple of weeks before the same committee. And these lawmakers said they want Coach Ed Orgeron to come testify under oath mm. whether he indeed had his communication with Gloria Scott. Because, you know, as you know, the Hush Blackwell report, Coach O denied to these investigators that he talked to her. Gloria Scott said the exact opposite thing. And it's more or less, you know, did Coach O lie to these investigators about, you know, essentially trying to cover for Darius Geist and let him play in the Citrus Bowl and smooth things over with this woman. So I think in a couple of weeks, they haven't nailed down a date yet, but I think sometime after Easter, um, these lawmakers expect Coach O to come testify, and, and uh, Athletics Director Scott Woodward has said he will come testify. So I think we're going to have kind of another round of fact-finding here. Sam, this may be com- completely speculative, and if you don't feel like you have a good answer for this, that's fine. But let's say hypothetically they do learn that Ed Ogeron was not forthcoming with Hush Blackwell, with the investigators. So what do they do? Like, what happens? Yeah, so we, we don't have a, a perfect answer, but um, one of the committee members pointedly asked the lawyer, uh, Winston DeQueer for LSU, you know, what if Coach O lied? And the, I think the lawyer's words were something like, if Coach O lied, we'll deal with Coach O. I didn't spell out what that means, but I think anyone can read between the lines that there's going to be some sort of ramifications if it was, you know, it's a pretty serious allegation that Coach Edwards are on lied to investigators about, uh, you know, what is essentially a mishandling of sexual harassment allegations, which is what we're ultimately talking about here. LSU, you know, the Hush Blackwell report uncovered these pretty sweeping, you know, failures and shortcomings on behalf of LSU. I think up until now, Coach O has avoided a lot of the scrutiny from that. Um, and to me, this is kind of the first time where it's like Coach O is directly implicated or accused of uh, mishandling or trying to smooth over these uh, sexual harassment allegations. Now, LSU is essentially acknowledging that they were in parts in violation of federal Title IX law. Now, federal law, and you clarify if I'm misunderstanding, but federal Title IX law obviously has nothing to do with anything happening at the Louisiana State Capitol, correct? Right. Okay, so I'm, we're all assuming that there will be a federal investigation, but that will be separate from what's transpiring right now in these committees. So basically, the, the reason, if I'm understanding, that this committee hearing is happening is because obviously... They control funding to Louisiana State University. They want to know the goings on at the university. Am I am I kind of tap dancing around? I think it? That's, no, I think that's part of it. I also do think there is a role here for the lawmakers that uh, maybe I should have mentioned. Uh, they implemented a law a couple of years ago that basically required higher education institutions to report their sexual harassment complaints and to go through mandatory training, which is sort of tangential to what we're talking about. Um, But what they found is a lot of these higher education institutions weren't following the law that they put in place. And the governor has said he and a bunch of these uh, female lawmakers are coming together to try to craft another law that would, you know, the details haven't been really released yet, but the idea would be create, you know, you have this mandatory reporting requirement for Title IX, 
uh, among these officials at LSU and other institutions. And if they don't follow that, they get fired unless they have a really compelling reason under mm. the statute, um, which would sort of, you know, it, it comes in the wake in, in response to this LSU thing where, you know, a lot of people did not follow the mandatory reporting requirements. Sam Carlin, investigative reporter for The Advocate. Before you go, um, is there anything else of significance from Friday uh, that, that we haven't talked about yet that, that our audience needs to know or, or have somewhat top of mind? Yeah, I would say after the committee hearing, we are supposed to hear from Athletic Director Scott Woodward at this committee hearing. It ends up going until 6, 7 p.m., and they just happened to come back in a couple of weeks. But when I asked him afterwards if he wanted to comment on his coach being accused of uh, you know lying to investigators, he refused to comment. Now it's, it's kind of the waiting game because he's going to be coming back to this committee and I, I would be watching closely for his testimony here in a couple of weeks okay. and uh, see if they looked into this further. I will say again now what I've said all along, which is that this is far, far from over. All right, LSU baseball is back on the diamond tonight, weather permitting, against South Alabama. We will preview that game here shortly. Let me remind you about betonline.ag, betonline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts, that's betonline.ag. Final four, almost set. Two more spots to go. Those will be uh, clinched tonight in Elite Eight matchups. If you want to bet on the games, betonline.ag. You want to bet on the NBA, betonline.ag. Major League Baseball first pitch opening day is this week. Need a place to bet? All 162, betonline.ag. Remember, when it's free to start an account, and when you go to make your first deposit of funds, use the code locked on, one word, locked on, and they'll give you a 50% welcome bonus. Five zero. So deposit a hundred bucks, they'll give you fifty free to play with. Deposit a thousand bucks, they'll give you five hundred free to play with. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, and of course Built Bar and BuiltBar.com. Been telling you about Built Bar, the best, the best tasting protein bar in the world. Now Built Bar, it's it's amazing. It's low calorie, it's low sugar, high protein, high fiber. It's amazing tasting. Every single Built Bar is covered in one hundred percent chocolate. It is gluten-free. They have nut and nut-free options. Just trust me. I had a Built Bar for breakfast. I had caramel brownie. Find your favorite flavor at BuiltBar.com. And you can also participate because they are letting you vote right now for the best Built Bar of them all. Today's matchup, Cookies and Cream against Cookie Dough Chunk. Go vote at their Twitter account, at bar underscore built, at bar underscore built, or at BuiltBar.com. And when you go purchase your Built Bar, be sure to use the promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. All right, LSU baseball at home against South Alabama tonight. We'll delve deep into that. Remember, our Locked On College Basketball experts are recapping each weekend of the March Madness on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch Live. That's Monday nights at Locked On Live. If you missed this weekend's recap, follow Locked On SEC. And check out the feed. Okay, LSU baseball back home tonight against South Alabama. Oddly enough, South Alabama was the team LSU played last year in the final midweek game before the season was canceled due to COVID. So this is the 44th meeting all time. Uh, series began back in 1971. There have been some really intense meetings, including that famous uh, regional uh, action back in 1997. Um, South Alabama won in Baton Rouge back in 20, uh, in 2017, and that proved to be the catalyst which sparked LSU's run all the way to the uh, the National Championship Series. And oddly enough, South Alabama actually leads this series all time 25-18. to 18. 
But uh, LSU did win nine to four, two to nothing, and uh, four to one over South Alabama each of the last three seasons. So Tigers on a three-game winning streak in this series as they'll welcome in South Alabama. Uh, Will Helmers will get the ball for the Tigers tonight, and he'll go head up against junior lefty Tyler Lerman for the South Alabama Jaguars. Paul Maneri did look ahead to this matchup. Well, I'm, I'm excited about playing. I hope the rain holds off. We're, we're playing a really good team, South Alabama. They just swept their series this weekend at Northwestern State. So traditionally, South Alabama's had a great team. Mark Calvi's an outstanding coach. And um, you know, they were our last game that we played last year before the pandemic hit. So, um, you know, they, they're, they're going to come in very confident and and uh, we got to be ready to go. You know, there's no time to hang your heads and feel sorry for yourself. So, uh, you know, we, we're going to be limited with the pitchers available. Obviously, you know, we're not going to have Ty Floyd. We're not going to have, probably not going to have Fontenot available. Um, you know, yesterday, you know, having to uh, finish the first game and then ended up going extra innings, taxed us. And then, of course, uh, you know, playing the second game. So, no, no practice today. Um, you know, guys are going to have to get themselves mentally ready. So stop me if this sounds familiar, but South Alabama is a team that's pitched it really well, uh, but has struggled a little bit to hit the baseball. But they keep winning. Uh, on the season, South Alabama um, is 13-9, uh, and nine, but as you heard Paul Maneri mention, did sweep their series this past weekend. As a team, South Alabama hitting just two 32, but they keep winning. Uh, their pitching staff has a 3.66 cumulative ERA, and they're limiting opponents to a 2.28 batting average. So basically, it's what LSU's seen. They are pretty good at pitching the baseball. They get a lot of strikeouts. They don't hit it particularly well, but South Alabama finds a way to manufacture offense despite not having boppers up and down the lineup. So, He's pretty obvious, as it has been for LSU really all this year. Don't walk guys. Make them earn it by swinging the bat. And then offensively for LSU, put the ball in play. Don't give up double-digit outs via the strikeout. Put the ball in play. Put pressure on their defense. Make them make plays against you. Go win a game. Great opportunity for a catalyst for LSU to win this game tonight, heading into uh, what's going to be a really tough weekend against Vanderbilt, but maybe the feel-good that they need before they welcome in the number one team in the country. So, LSU in South Alabama, it is a 631st pitch out at the box. No doubt on tomorrow's episode of the Locked on LSU podcast, we'll be here to recap it all. Until then, it is Locked on LSU, your team every day.